Merry Christmas. Hey, there's a few that know it's Christmas time. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that sounds better. Delighted you're here tonight. I hope you're delighted to be here tonight. Uh, we have a nice Christmas Eve service planned, and uh, we just trust unto the Lord that it will bless you and uh, that the message of the season truly shines through. We are going to begin with uh, our Advent wreath, and Joel and Nancy Kosher are going to take care of that. You got to, tr- yes, right now. You're going to track her down. Greetings. We're going to start off with uh, reading 1 John uh, 1 through 1 through 7. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. <clears throat> he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and, the, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then uh, Galatians 4. Is that here? <clears throat> but when the set time had come, fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his son. God sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, into, the, into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And our third readings from Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And Joel's going to light the three purple candles and the pink candle. And as he does that, I'm going to read our devotional. Live. Live for him. Jesus brings new life. Here we are together on Christmas Eve. We have come through the four Sundays of Advent, represented by the four candles shining their light in this Advent wreath. In the center of the wreath, there is one last Advent candle, still unlit, often referred to as the Christ candle. In a moment, we will also light this last candle as a sign we have reached the final step in our journey through the Advent season. But before we light it, let us first consider the meaning of this last candle for a moment. This last candle reminds us that Jesus Christ is not just some great legend or some fantastic philosopher, myth, or some tremendous religious feeling, nor is Jesus a religious crutch we lean on from time to time. 
Neither is Jesus just some spiritual aspiration. No, Jesus is as real as any person ever born. When God the Father said it was the right time, God the Son was born, born of a woman, the Virgin Mary. Jesus is the incarnation of God himself. Scripture says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In Jesus dwells all the fullness of God in bodily form. And whoever has seen Jesus has seen the Father. So, if you want to know what God himself is like, then simply look at the life and person of the Lord Jesus. Jesus brings a new kind of life from heaven. He brings a life that was not here before. He was born to bring that life into the world, and he brings that new life to each of us. If we receive him and accept his new life, we can then live with his new life. Live for him, dear friends. Don't just exist, live. As we light the Christ candle, let us reflect on the new life that came into a manger and the new life that comes into our hearts when we receive him. Let us pray. Lord of all life, we thank you for the special life Jesus brought to this earth. Help us not waste this life, this real life, this eternal life, but give our hearts to living each and every day for you. Heavenly Father, in the person of Jesus, we see the life that comes from you, life that works signs and wonders, that heals the sick, that gives sight to the blind, and that raises the dead to new life. And above all else, we see the life of the one who becomes eternal life in the hearts of all who believe. We praise you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And then the, the chorus of the Christmas carol, What Child Is This, says this. This is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Like those angels, we too need to sing praise to this life-giving Savior. Please turn to hymn number 137.
get us started, we will sing Away in a Manger, just the first two verses, and everybody can just relax and sit in your pews. You don't have to stand up. One to seven. <clears throat> and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world so that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Kyrianus was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was expecting a child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Our next song that we would like to sing, Angels We Have Heard on High, page 132, verse 1 and 3. Of the shepherds, Luke 2, 8 to 15. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were completely terrified. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you today in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you that you will find a babe wrapped in the swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now after they had found him, the shepherds departed and spread the word to everyone about what had been told them concerning the child. Exit. 
Our next song will be page 166, We Three Kings, and just the first and last verses. Wise men, Matthew 2, verses 1 to 3 and 7 to 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And the wise men asked, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream, a dream, excuse me, that they could not return to Herod, the wise men departed for their own country another way. Well, good evening. Merry Christmas. You going to stand here with me? Okay. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this evening. Thanks for um, the safety, uh, the safe journeys um, to arrive here. Uh, We thank you for sustaining us through this day. Uh, We ask that you would meet us here this evening as we seek to honor you and and remember what you have done for us. We ask this in your name. Amen. And just this past Sunday, Mike mentioned in his prayer that um, even if Jesus was not born on December 25th, we mean to celebrate his birth on that day nonetheless and that God knows that our hearts are true in our celebration and worship of Jesus. And I think he's right. For anyone interested in history, uh, most historians and archaeologists believe uh, confidently that Jesus was born in the springtime. And there are several reasons that historians and archaeologists believe this. And one reason is that in the Gospel of Luke, 
we learned that the angels appeared to the shepherds in the fields to bring the good news of Jesus' birth. And in those days, shepherds would sleep in the fields with their flocks when the flocks were delivering their young so that they could assist with the birthing process. I know that some of you have raised or are currently raising animals, and maybe you know what it is like to help an animal deliver their young. And so the flocks of sheep would deliver their young in the early springtime, and so some believe that Jesus was likely born into this world in the springtime because of what has been recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke. And so the question becomes, well, then why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? Well, the Roman Empire used to celebrate a festival that they called Sol Invictus. That stands for the Unconquerable Sun, S-U-N, on December 25. And the festival coincided with the winter solstice, wherein the days become shorter, and then eventually they become shorter even more, and then they become longer again. And so the Romans would worship the unconquerable sun, S-U-N, because even though the days would become shorter, they would eventually become longer, and the sun would never go away, and we still witness the same thing today. Now the Christians, wanting to assimilate into the culture without giving up what they believed, they decided that they were going to celebrate Sol Invictus, but instead of worshiping the unconquerable sun, S-U-N, they, were, they decided to worship the unconquerable sun, S-O-N. And so early in the 4th century, the Roman Empire officially became Christian, and thus December 25th has come down to us today as the celebration of the unconquerable sun, S-O-N, Jesus Christ. And so in the famous words of Paul Harvey, now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> and someone once said to me a few years ago that they found it incredible to think that we don't know the exact minute that Jesus was born since he is our Savior. And I thought about that for a few moments, and, and then I reminded that person that, you know, we live in a very different world than the ancient world. They didn't have national registries of social security numbers and computers to track the birth of every person. And, you know, more importantly, I asked that person, why do you think that it should have been recorded and remembered? And for as I read God's word, I'm struck by the fact that he came into a world that rejected him, a world that did not want him. John tells us in the first chapter of his gospel that he came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. And if his own people did not receive him, then is it any wonder that the exact day of his birth has been lost to us? It was a humble birth in a lowly manger, a feeding trough to be exact, for the Savior of this world because the Savior of this world came not to seek the glory of mankind Rather, he came to save mankind and to give us life. And so for a world that did not want him, a lowly manger seems to be about right. And the title of the Advent reading for this evening is Live. Live for him. Jesus brings new life. And it's very easy in our fast-paced world <laughs> to lose track of your kids. <laughs> Get down here. Okay. 
fast-paced world to lose sight of the meaning of Christmas. And I know we've all heard that many times. And yet it's something that many of us, maybe all of us, need to be reminded of continually. And we give gifts during this time of the year because Jesus gave us gifts. And hopefully when we give others gifts, we're doing that in remembrance of what Jesus has given to us. And there are at least two gifts that we receive as a result of Jesus coming into this world. And the first is righteousness over sin. And the second is eternal life. The meaning of Christmas is that Jesus Christ came into this world to give us His righteousness in place of our sins. And as a result of His righteousness, which He freely gives to us all, we can have peace with God and experience eternal life. And I've said it before, and it's worth saying again, remember how it began. Mankind was living in communion with God, enjoying fellowship with God. But something happened. Mankind sinned, and as a result, our fellowship with God was broken. In other words, our source of life was severed from us. That's why in the book of Romans we read, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. And so it's impossible to speak about the gifts of righteousness in place of our sins and the promise of eternal life which Jesus freely gives to us all without speaking about his death the miracle of Jesus' birth, the beautiful story that we read during the Christmas season that Karen just read is tied to his death on a cross. And yesterday I attended a funeral service. It was a Christian celebration of life for a sister in Christ who's gone home to be with the Lord. And we don't often talk about death during the Christmas season, but without the death of Jesus on a cross, all we have is a nice story about a baby being born in a manger. And I was reminded of that yesterday as I sat in the church for the funeral service remembering someone who had died. And it was for this reason that Jesus left his position with God the Father to be born into this world. Death. At the beginning of the service, Joel and Nancy read the opening four verses of John's Gospel. It's important to remember that Jesus did not begin to exist at the moment of his earthly birth. Rather, he has been eternally existing beside God the Father. He left that position to be born into this world to conquer death. And so if you hear nothing else this evening, please hear this. God is grieved over the fact that we are dying. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32. God is grieved so much over death that he himself came down into this world to be born in a lowly manger, to live as one of us, to suffer as one of us, to take our sins 
and to die as one of us so that we might be given eternal life. Jesus himself said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Rather, he sent his son into the world so that the world might be saved through him. Jesus accomplished this by giving up his position next to God the Father to be born in our likeness in a lowly manger and then later by dying on a cross. The first gift that we receive as a result of Jesus coming into this world is righteousness over sin. And so I'll ask you the question, is there some sin in your life right now that is grieving you? Is it weighing you down and causing you pain? Is it stealing the joy of the Christmas season from you? Hear the words of the Holy Spirit. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Receive the gift of righteousness this Christmas. It is a gift that God has just for you. I mentioned that I was at a funeral yesterday. And last night, Kayla and I were sitting at our kitchen table. And she commented about how fragile life is. I agreed. Life is fragile. That is, life on this earth is fragile. Very early this morning, the Lord reminded me that life, that is eternal life, that's secure. It is unshakable, unmovable, unending. Why is our eternal life secure? Because it is found in Jesus, the very author of life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I mentioned earlier that God is grieved over the fact that we are dying. He is grieved so much over death that he himself came down into this world to live as one of us, to suffer as one of us, to take our sins, to die as one of us, so that we might be given eternal life and have fellowship with God for an eternity. So why did he do all of this? One word, love. Because God loves each and every one of us, he was willing to go to such incredible lengths to make a way for each of us to have a relationship with him. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Rather, that person has eternal life. Love in the Christian sense of the word is seen in the cross of Christ. It is sacrificial giving. Not for worthwhile people or deserving people, rather for sinners, for undeserving people. He gave himself for you and for me, for all of us. And so receive the gift of eternal life this Christmas, for it is a gift from our God just for you.
And so tomorrow morning, we will give one another gifts. And so take a moment before sharing gifts with one another to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he first gave gifts to us. He gave us the gift of righteousness over sins and the gift of eternal life. And he did this by coming into our world, being born in a lowly manger to live and die on our behalf. The early Christians decided to celebrate the Roman holiday Sol Invictus, but instead of worshiping the unconquerable sun, S-U-N, <coughs> excuse me, they chose to worship the unconquerable sun, S-O-N, Jesus Christ. He is unconquerable. Because as Nancy and Joel read, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. He came to this earth in a lowly manger to do what we could not do, and that is to fulfill the righteous requirement of God's law, and then to die on a cross on our behalf for our sins, and then to leave death in the grave. It is finished, Jesus said, as he died on a cross. He conquered death. And then he gave us the gift of righteousness and the gift of eternal life. And so receive those gifts this Christmas season with joy. And remember our loved ones who have gone home to be with the Lord before us. Grieve for them, but be joyful. For as surely as he lives, so do they, and so will we. Live. Live for him. Because Jesus has brought us new life. And so in a moment we're going to pray. But before we do that, I want to invite the deacons uh, to prepare for our um, continued worship of the Lord by partaking in communion. And I want to invite everyone, all who confess Christ as their personal Savior, are invited to participate. And so let's pray. Eternal God, Father, Son, and Spirit, we worship you this night on the eve of remembrance of your coming into this world. Your plan of salvation is perfect just as you are perfect in all your ways. And Lord Jesus, you left your throne and unimaginable glory for a lowly birth in a manger and then unimaginable shame and suffering on a cross, all because you loved us. You are worthy of our praise, and we give that to you tonight. And we acknowledge our sin before you, Lord Jesus. We ask for your forgiveness, and we thank you that you have lovingly and freely given us forgiveness. And then on top of that, you gave us your righteousness over our sin and the gift of eternal life. This is the meaning of Christmas, that you first loved us so that we can love you and love others. And it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen.